Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Did you know that Johannesburg ranks sixth in the world in terms of tree coverage? It is one of the greenest cities with around 10 million trees, most of them in private gardens. But is our urban forest under threat from both natural and man-made phenomena? Andrea Rosen and Marcus Schirmeyer are co-founders of the Johannesburg Urban Forest Alliance, or JUFA. The aim of their organization is to ensure that Joburg remains one of the largest urban forests worldwide. Andrea and Marcus, join me now to tell me a little bit more. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Ah, thanks for having us. How did you get involved in starting JUFA, Andrea? Well, we actually, Marcus had up a hearty Melrose, Melrose Birdhaven Conservancy, and I'm a member of the Craig Park Residents Association. Marcus has been struggling for years. Marcus. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, um, I've, uh, I've been a resident of Johannesburg for quite a number of years, and I found that with all the changes in the city, uh, very little attention has been paid to, to our trees. And as you said, we have one of the largest urban forests, uh, not only in the country, but uh, in the world. And we feel that as the Johannesburg Urban Forest Alliance, that these trees are, are worth preserving. Uh, the organization was set up uh, last year by about 20 uh, environmental heritage and residence associations from across the city um, with an objective of, uh, well, preserving our trees. Uh, most of our work so far has been on on the legal side, trying to make sure that uh, the council listens to us, uh, which it doesn't. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're struggling on. Why does the council listen? Well, that's an interesting uh, one. I think uh, in, in a country like South Africa, in a city like Johannesburg, we have, where we have many, many full challenges, uh, you know, poverty, unemployment, and so forth, uh, the environment uh, gets a bit of a short thrift. What we have been arguing is that uh, given that we are the largest uh, urban uh, area in the world uh, without direct access to water, uh, given that we live in a fairly harsh uh, high-field environment, uh, that trees are actually fairly important to, to the livelihood of the city and its sustainability. Again, uh, we, we're not uh, making much uh, uh, traction, but uh, we, we, we battle on. Well, you work together with residents. Um, you were yes. saying you start with Craig Hall. Um, the community members, how important are community members in becoming a, a, a force to reckon with? Andrea? It is so important that they do get involved and they make their voices heard. The council, what we are hoping is that the council, the more people who support us, we have a, lo a louder voice and perhaps the council will listen. We have been lobbying for changes to regulations. We've actually been lobbying for a, a tree protection bylaw. Street trees are obviously protected to some extent, but on private property, there's no protection at all. And that's a problem, with, especially with increased development. Well, let's look at the problem of increased development. And Marcus, you highlighted the fact that we have so many issues. And I'm sure there's always a tension between creating more um, residences and preserving our environment. And how does a city like Joburg deal with that kind of challenge? 
Well, I think uh, if you look at uh, city policies, uh, there is uh, an emphasis on densification. And we as the Johannesburg Urban Forest Alliance are not opposed to densification. It, it is a need. And, and obviously, if you look at the northern suburbs, uh, there's a lot of space available. But it's not empty space. It's uh, space usually filled up with gardens and trees. So on the one hand, you might argue, well, that's something that is not uh, really useful to, to the city at large. What we are saying is that uh, these trees, and maybe not the gardens, but at least the trees can be harnessed in a way that densification happens and the trees are preserved. Uh, and this is not happening right now. Uh, what the council is doing is granting blanket rights to, to developers uh, to erect high-rise uh, residential and commercial developments, which in the end will actually uh, erase our urban forests. And that's not something that we as as residents, as citizens of Johannesburg, are really... Uh, welcoming. Uh, there, need, there, there needs to be another way, and it's a possible way as well. So you actually have a solution for the the council that would help them manage both the need for uh, housing and protecting the environment. Well, there's there's a terminology, uh, green infrastructure. So um, most people talk about infrastructure in terms of roads, electricity, and so forth. But uh, the trees and 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 the watercourses that we have here in Johannesburg are part of that green infrastructure. What we're trying to do is, is bring that notion of green infrastructure into, into uh, development plans for, for the city and make sure that uh, whenever development happens, it doesn't actually uh, take away from, uh, from that. If you look at, for example, uh, a building uh, near wetlands in, in Johannesburg, and you may know that most of our golf courses and, and public parks in the city are actually designated as wetlands, well, there needs to be a way to, to make sure that uh, development doesn't encroach on them, that the water still finds its way, because in the end, uh, you know, water is what we need in the city of Johannesburg. We've just seen mm -hmm. an awful drought mm -hmm. in Cape Town, and it's, it's just a question of accessing the resources correctly. Andrew, there are two um, problems f facing our environment. One is man-made and the other one is natural what um can you explore those a little bit for me well at the moment uh we're facing a what can you say uh, actually an environmental disaster uh there is this tiny little beetle that is attacking trees throughout well northern johannesburg it is spreading it is in soweto as well uh, we've now had reports from KwaZulu, from the Eastern Cape. And unfortunately with this, it is called a polyphagous shot hole borer, which right. is quite a mouthful. Well, that is, yes. So we just call it a borer. <laughs> a borer, right. <laughs> uh, there is no guaranteed treatment at this stage. And what this borer does, it bores into the tree, but it carries along a t fungus and it's called a fusarium fungus. And it's the fungus itself that actually kills the tree because obviously that gets in, it spreads, it cuts off the vascular system, no water, no nutrients reach the rest of the tree, and the tree dies. So this, I'm, going to, I'm not going to say the first one. I'm just going to say the shot hole borer. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, it's not, where did it come from? And... You say there's nothing you can do about it at the moment? At the moment. Uh, Does it spread? Yes. It, at the, during winter, it's very important in terms of firewood. Uh, people have not, I think because the public is not aware, and that's what Chief is trying to do, is increase public awareness. 
firewood, it will spread. It's assumed that it reached Soweto through firewood. Infe- and in winter, that's exactly what well, um, the, the best yeah. way to, for it to spread is now. Yes, it's the beetle is dormant, pretty much. You see, so so little is actually known about it. It originated in Vietnam. Oh. They believe that it came across in a shipping crate and has just spread. It did infest Israel and. Southern California, a couple of years back. In Israel, it wiped out almost 80% of their avo crop. Wow. Do you know how Israel treated it? Uh, yeah, they bulldozed the orchards. They cut down the trees. It's the only thing that they could do. Most of the trees in Joburg, I think I mentioned earlier, fall into private houses. Mm. Is, it, is it possible to educate homeowners about it and Possibly try spraying or... Well, you can't really... Spraying doesn't work. Um, They are trying... We are working together with private arborists and FARBI, which is Forestry and Agricultural Biotechnology Institute of the University of Pretoria. They are heading up the research. And at the moment, at Wilhelm de Beer, who is heading up the research project, he's in the States at the moment because there was an outbreak in Southern California, trying to find a solution. And how would someone identify a borer? Well, they are so tiny. So you wouldn't to, know. To, to pick it up, so you're looking for the symptoms of infestation. They're called shot hole borer because it actually does, you look for tiny little holes in the trunk or branches. In summer, it's easier to identify because you can see dead branches. You can see the leaves are shriveling and dying. In winter, obviously, the trees lose their leaves, so not quite so easy to identify. So you look at the you look at the trunks, you look at the branches, and it really is. It's tiny little holes. Different species of trees react differently. Wow! So, so it really is a complicated. It, you look for staining. You around the holes. You some as in avocados, we call it a sugar volcano because it looks like a little blob of sugar, sugar. and that's how they react. Um, it might be. A glob of gummy substance dripping so out. So anything that looks unusual on the bark of your tree. But best thing is if you see those holes. Yes. That's we on our website. Um, we have a dedicated page that shows people, you know, the different symptoms, what to look for. It's very important that members of the public, if they do pick up an infested tree, that they reported to Farby. We also have all of that information on our website. So reporting it with the aim of people, A, knowing that it's there? Yeah. Just obviously there's nothing you can do about it. Well, uh, what what is very important is that the person does not cut down the tree and then... Use it as firewood. Use it or... Say, employed somebody else to cut down the tree and they're not aware of how to dispose of it because it has to be incinerated. Otherwise, it it will spread. Wow, so it really is a big issue. How long has GIFA been around? 
So Marcus? we've been we've been around for about a year or so, and uh, back then actually the shot hole bore was not even on our on our radar screen. <laughs> it's a, it's a fairly um, fairly sudden uh, infestation, at least in, in in Johannesburg. But now it's become actually uh, one of our uh, areas of 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 major of, concern. Of major concern. Um, but yeah, we've been around for for a year or so. You know, one thing I have seen within our community is that civil action can be um, it can be effective. And I know so many of the, our schools have environmental clubs and societies. And while not many people may be interested in the environment compared to other issues, those who are are very, very passionate about it. Um, have you approached schools with the aim of just talking to school kids to educate them? I think that would be a great, great idea. At the moment, you know, we... Obviously, we're all volunteers, right? Okay. Um, you know, so, so time is, is very yes, difficult. It is, but slowly as word gets out, and we are, we're just pushing it, pushing it, and pushing it, especially with the borer, and just creating awareness generally. There are, I have to say, you think many people are not environmentally aware or don't care about mm. their trees. Not Everybody, <laughs> you know, living in, in Joburg, people have a busy life. But once you raise that awareness, once you start the conversation going, a lot of Joburg are passionate, is yeah. completely passionate. You know, um, Marcus, you, you, you mentioned earlier that you're a resident in Johannesburg. And I, I, I don't know if Joburgers realize how lucky we are to live in such a green city. I know when I drive on the highway from one part to the other, um, and it doesn't matter the season, I'm always impressed by how beautiful our city really is. You know, we think we're envious of Cape Town, but we, we don't have the sea and the mountain, but we've got these beautiful trees. And I think there is a great pride in our city, I don't know if you. No, I think uh, that's actually very true. I'm an I'm an immigrant to uh, to to South Africa, and when I first came uh, to Johannesburg in '91, what actually impressed me the most were the trees. Mm. And I was quite uh, quite young back then, but I think you're right. Uh, we we do take it for granted. Uh, the trees are just a part of the scenery rather than something you're really aware of. But uh, to come back to your earlier point about uh, civic and community engagement, and obviously this is this is what we're trying to do, get uh, people motivated about uh, trees and, and trying to take action. On the other hand, I, I would like to stress uh, that uh, the the responsibility also lies with uh, the council. Right. Um, this is this is a, a citywide issue that needs to be dealt with at council level, and actually needs to be a priority. Um, if the borer spreads the way it's been spreading over mm. the last year, and if we take into account what's been happening, of course, in Israel, in uh, in, in the U.S. and Canada, and there's various forms of borers, uh, we may well lose uh, most of our trees mm. in the next uh, five years. And that's actually a real crisis uh, that uh, needs uh, some action. If anybody would like to get hold of you and be part of GIFA, what should they do? Uh Sign up on our website and become a member. We'd, and our website address is very easy, jufa.org.za. Well, in that case, I'd like to thank you both and wish you a lot of success in, in pre preserving our trees. And I hope people do and are in touch with you. That was Andrea Rosen and Marcus Schoemeyer, who are the co-founders of Jufa, trying to save our urban forest.